Right, go ahead with the logic. Okay, Mark, logic one and two, Mark. Houston, we are set. We have a cryo press light. Roger, copy, cryo press light. Apollo 11, this is uh, Houston. Minus 10, 9, 8. We have a go for main engine start. We have main engine start. 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Hello and welcome to Space Gen, the show where you find out all the latest from the space industry. You can catch our episodes on X-Ray FM every Wednesday at 8 a.m. or on SoundCloud by searching Space Gen. I'm your host, Daniel Trainer, and let's get into the news. Wow, this is going to be quite jam-packed. We have a SpaceX Boca Chica Maria interview and we've got quite a lot of news to cover. Let's start with the interview and then we'll get into that news. Now, for people that don't know, Boca Chica Maria, as she's known, which you can find her on Twitter and Facebook, lives basically just across the road from the SpaceX facility in, you guessed it, Boca Chica, Texas. So how did you get hooked on making SpaceX Starship updates? Um, well, I didn't have a choice. It it just grew right next door to me. I'm not across the street. I'm just, I just have a small little piece of grassy field between me and the Boca Chica rocket shipyard. Let me set the scene for everybody because um, when you're when you're looking out your window and all of a sudden this this nose cone is being built and then all of a sudden it grows with a rocket underneath it and you're like oh, there's a there's a there's a rocket out my window now mom she's going oh my god and guess what sits out the front view of our house at the end of our driveway you look straight across the bay that's the launch pad so. It's everywhere. I can't get away from it. Can you explain to people what it was like watching a Starhopper launch basically in your backyards, this experimental rocket? Ah! <laughs> Have you ever stood next to an Indy 500 uh, Formula race car? I would multiply that by a thousand. Yeah, that's what it's like. It's fun. Um, it's it's uh, If you're an adrenaline junkie, it kind of makes you feel like, should I be standing here? Yeah! I'm not leaving. I'm going to watch this. Um, but when we were out there, you could actually feel the hair on your legs prickle. And the 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 thrust was not as bad coming our direction, but they said in, on South Padre Island that they really rumbled. And we didn't, we didn't really rumble, but we had this feeling of the thrust. And just when you thought it was going to back off, it increased tenfold, and then it increased again. Obviously, you're in a pretty unique situation, all this development going around where you live. How do you think Starship launch rigs are going to affect how people view cities? You know, it's going to take 10 years for people to, to figure out really what's going on, just like with the, air, uh, the jet airplane industry, how people just said, oh, I'll, I'll never... I'll never be able to fly on a jet. That's way I couldn't do. And then all of a sudden, they're 60 years old flying on a jet airplane for the first time in their life. I think that's going to be the same thing with these L platforms. It's going to introduce uh, the transportation part of the commercial rocket industry to a point where it'll be commonality. Uh, they're drilling uh, for that uh, uh, launch platform right now. Yeah, I guess how tall is that going to be in the air? 80? It's, 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 a, it's way up there, yeah. And then the Starship goes on top of that. 
So the flame, the flame trench, you got to see the pictures of it. The flame trench goes down into that uh, platform and into another trench, I guess, and has the suppression system throughout that whole mechanism. And, uh, and then the noise abatement with the uh, water monitors. So I'm seeing all that being installed. Now, I saw a picture, actually, of you with Elon. What was it like meeting the man himself? Uh, I don't know how much I should say about this, but Elon is very jazzed about the L-shaped platform. Now, there is a shelf that runs along the Gulf of Mexico, the Texas borders, and all the way up around Louisiana. Now, this shelf is under the 50, uh, 50 fathom curve, so it's really shallow. And it goes almost out, so, I don't know, 20 miles? It's a humongous shelf. It's, it's perfect for the oil rigs. It's prime real estate for every spaceport company, Blue Origin, SpaceX, you name them. They're out there. They want to be here, and Elon got here first. So on Saturday night when he was talking about this, L-shaped platform. It's the first time I heard about the, the shape of it. But him and I kind of went blah, 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 with maritime lingo. It was just like all of a sudden I, I, I'm, I'm able to hold my own in a conversation with Elon instead of just by happenstance being his neighbor and taking great photographs. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of how I married out the equal of you know, what I do versus what he does. Here again, I'm just imagining what my kids are going to say when they hear this. They're going to go, oh, God, Mom, please. Well, it's been quite the treat having you in space, Jen, and genuinely, I really appreciated talking to you. Hopefully, we'll have you come back and chat again. We're all kind of doing the same thing. We're documenting humanity's next big leap with the starship into the galaxy. So thanks so much for joining so here's something I didn't know. Saturn just overtook Jupiter as the planet with the most moons. But the question is, how many moons are there actually? So the team discovered a haul of 20 new moons, bringing Saturn's total up to 82. Now, I didn't even know that. 82 moons are right now circulating around Saturn. And Jupiter, on the other hand, only has 79. Now, these moons were all discovered using the Subaru telescope in Minoki, Hawaii. And each of the moons are about three miles in diameter, so they're fairly small. And 17 of them are orbiting backwards, which is also known as a retrograde direction. So if you're interested about all these moons and what's going on with them, there's actually a contest right now to name the moons on the Carnegie Science website. So definitely go and check that out. Okay, now we're gonna get into something really weird. So meat, for the first time, has been grown in space. So normally, I, you've probably seen in the films, it's astronauts, when they eat food, it's normally through this toothpaste-esque tube, and they kind of squeeze it into their mouths. You know, it's not too pleasant, but the reason they have to do this is because there's limits to the type of food that you can have in space. Microgravity works in very interesting ways, so anything that has crumbs, like a biscuit or something, is super dangerous, especially if it clogs up a spacecraft's air filters. So you might just be sitting there eating your chocolate chip biscuit, enjoying life, when in reality, you're risking it for the biscuit. You actually might die because you're eating something that's producing crumbs. So what are we going to do to fix this? This is clearly something that is top priority. Well, tech companies have been experimenting with ways to grow food in space. But a recent one is Alf Farms, which is an Israeli company. And they managed to grow meat in space for the first time. Now, when they say grow, 
it was done with the help of a 3D printer. So cosmonauts fed cells into the 3D printer, meat cells, but in the beginning, ALF farms had to extract the cells from a cow through a small biopsy. The cells were then placed in a broth which had a bunch of nutrients and that stimulated the environment inside the cow's body. Mmm, sounds tasty, right? Well, listen, I won't lie, I did actually read a little bit more into this, and to be honest, it kind of made me feel a little sick. So, for me at least, I think I'll stick to those weird food tube things. But you know, it is quite interesting. We've, we've heard a lot about the 3D printing, and we've heard about it for the base construction, now we've heard about it for food. But what about shipbuilding, especially in zero-g orbit? One of the main restrictions with a 3D printer is how large it can print. But when you're in zero-g, you don't really have the gravity to fight against. So if you had a small printing nozzle in orbit with enough material, you could effectively print pretty much anything. It's up to your imagination. So if you've never been to SpaceX.com, now's your day to go and check it out because they've just updated the Starship page and now it shows a cargo version of Starship. And it's interesting because they have a little animation that shows you how the front of the Starship opens almost like a whale's mouth to release the payloads into orbit. And Elon commented over Twitter saying that they were probably going to start with Starlink and then quote, some fun things. And we know SpaceX has already launched a Tesla Roadster into orbit, so their type of fun things is going to be pretty extreme. Could it mean possibly a Bigelow space station? Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So it looks like Elon's love for steel is going to a new level. He's now going to change the grid fins on the Starship. Now, if you don't know, SpaceX obviously has the Falcon 9 rockets that they use to launch commercial payloads into space. And those rockets use titanium grid fins. And fun fact, the Falcon 9 grid fins are actually the largest single piece casting of titanium ever. But they're not going to be for Starship. Now, on Starship, they use Stainless 301, which is, is super strong, and it can also withstand 850 degrees Celsius. It's also cheap, it's also weldable, and although it's heavy, reusability is the key. And having something that's low cost is the top priority. Also, we've got to keep in mind, as a rocket gets bigger, the small mass increases, so things like heavier fins become less noticeable. Now, here's the most important question. Have you ever had to change the batteries in your TV remote? Well, two NASA astronauts just replaced the batteries outside of the International Space Station, completing the first in a series of five planned spacewalks. This is all devoted to upgrading the ISS power system. So the space station is powered by eight large solar array wings, four on each side of the truss. The rays feed the electricity through the station systems when there's sunlight, and charges the banks, the four large batteries mounted to their base, for when the station passes into the shadow of the Earth. Two of the old nickel-hydrogen batteries, not nickel-metal hydride, nickel-hydrogen batteries, were just replaced with two new fancy lithium-ion batteries. So definitely an upgrade that was needed. Now, if you can take your mind back to last week, you'll remember the big drama between NASA Administrator Jim Burdenstein and his friendship with Elon Musk. It really wasn't going very well. Uh, but, however, Elon has mended that. So this all started with Jim Burdenstein tweeting something pretty negative about SpaceX being behind deadlines just a day before the Starship presentation. So the friendship didn't seem like it was going very well. And you've got to keep in mind that this can have an effect on how the two places work together, SpaceX and NASA. But luckily, Jim Burdenstein just tweeted, he had a great phone call with Elon this week, and he's looking forward to visiting the SpaceX facility in Hawthorne, California this Thursday with, quote, more to come. We'll have to see what that means. 
Again, this is all news we just had in the last week. This is how quick things are starting to move, and as I've said before, we really are heading into a new space age. So if you like hearing about the news, make sure to tune in every Wednesday at 8am on X-Ray FM, or on SoundCloud by searching Space Gen. I'm your host, Daniel Trainer, and I'll see you next time.